the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From debt, first-time investing, retirement planning, and so much more. We are the Biz 1440 KYCR Golden Valley. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken has said U.S. economic support for Niger is at risk of a military takeover that threatens the country's stability. Here's correspondent Karen Chamis. Blinken, who is in Australia as part of a Pacific tour, said at a news conference. Our economic and security partnership with Niger, which is significant, hundreds of millions of dollars, depends on the continuation of the democratic governance and constitutional order that has been disrupted uh, by uh, the actions in the last uh, in the last few days. Members of the Niger military recently announced they had deposed democratically elected President Mohamed Bazoum. A few days later, they named General Abdurrahman Chiani as the country's new leader. Niger is seen as the last reliable partner for the West in efforts to battle jihadis linked to. There's correspondent Karen Chamis reporting, and this is SRN News. Have you recently received a quote for an exterior home improvement project that was so high it made you seriously consider selling the house instead? In today's market, it's more important than ever to get multiple bids to make sure you're getting the best possible prices on any investment in your home. I'm Ryan with my three quotes. Not only can I provide you the most competitive bids in the Twin Cities for free, but I can guarantee it will be the quickest and easiest way to get them. Whether you need siding, roofing, or windows, I will personally come to your house for a short meeting so we can determine which name brands make the most sense for you and your house. And I'm all about multiple options, so you can have a variety of price points to choose from. A few days later, you'll receive an email from me with the bids attached. I've done the homework on brands and contractors, so you don't have to. It's that simple. No salespeople, no pressure, and no obligation to buy. To set up one short meeting with me, visit GetMyThreeQuotes.com. That's the number three, GetMyThreeQuotes.com. Politics and education. It's often easier to learn what people are against than what they're for. Education America believes there's a better conversation to be had, and it's a conversation about what we're for. Abraham Lincoln famously said, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. Let's awaken the world around us to the foundational truths that shaped our nation and see Lincoln's words come to life. Join Rebecca Hagstrom and Abigail Johnson on Education America, Saturdays at 6 p.m. on AM 1280 The Patriot. Visit savetheclassroom.com for podcasts, past episodes, and other resources. Education America, save the classroom, save the country. Tune in Saturday evenings at 6 on AM 1280 The Patriot. Check out savetheclassroom.com. Education America, save the classroom, save the country. Saturdays at 6 p.m. on AM 1280 The Patriot. Portions of the following program may have been pre-recorded. Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. 
The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. Let's just say I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy. It's the King Banyan Show, your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. The process of getting inflation back down to 2% has a long way to go and is likely to be bumpy. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. If you're going to fix complicated problems, you have to learn how to fix simple problems first. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440, uh, where we've got Jay Powell, we've got Christine Lagarde, I even have a little clip about the Bank of Japan, which has done nothing interesting in almost 30 years until Thursday night, um, when they abandoned a seven-year policy of yield curve control. Um, I wouldn't say abandoned, but they've they've amended it to the point where it looks like something else that I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I know what they're trying to do. I think they've I think they've uh, I think they've decided to go to an old fashioned uh, uh, exchange rate ban that would perhaps as much mimic China as the U.S. Uh, and target as much China as the U.S. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. Anyway, uh, we've been playing clips from the we've been playing clips from the uh, Jay Powell uh, press conference on Wednesday afternoon with you, um, and and let me let me move forward. Um, uh, um, let me let me move forward with you just to sort of say. What we said in the last hour, which I've called the death of forward guidance. They're instead of trying to tell you what they think will happen in the future, what they've done is try to tell you, here's how we're interpreting the data we see right now without trying to look ahead to what that data might mean six months from now. I appreciate that for its humility and honesty. I don't think forward guidance was ever a great policy. I was never a huge fan of it because it presumes a level of knowledge that somehow the uh, policymakers, be it the Fed or the ECB, and fiscal policymakers can practice forward guidance too and say, hey, we see this coming ahead. We're going to do this and this, and here's what's going to happen as a result. Um, all of this resulting from what I think has been far too much uh, emphasis on the scientism of economics and and the other behavioral sciences, um, and 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 I think it presu- I think it presumes a level of knowledge we simply don't have. Um, it almost presumes a level of knowledge that would uh, would uh, be appropriate to Harry Seldon from uh, the Foundation trilogy. For those of you that uh, follow such things, um, anyway, let me let me sort of give you an example of that. We've been playing through some clips here and i think this is now this is from the powell press conference again this should be cut 13 and we're seeing evidence of those things now but i would i would say that what what our eyes are telling us is that policy has not been restrictive restrictive enough for long enough to have its full desired effects right that's what we see right now and that this is the point i'm trying to make is the Fed has backed off of saying, I can see what's going to happen six months from now, and I can tell you, therefore, what we're going to do over the next six months, and now you can be, you can make all the market moves you want to make for that. 
they've removed that. And I think that's an explanation for that observation we made that basically 11 times they are asked a question by in the 20 questions they're asked, 11 of them are about what are you going to do in September? What are you going to do in December? Or why didn't you do this here? Um, And so forth. Just about the choice of Fed funds. By the way, not a single question regarding the balance sheet roll-off of uh, treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. Um, Our our frequent guest, uh, uh, Vern McKinley, tweeted this morning this fairly small bank in Kansas, which was closed by FDIC last night. It'll fly under the radar. It's a small piece. It's only guys like Vern who have a hawk eye on on the FDIC's Twitter feed and, and website probably would have picked this up. But it's a bank that's smallish. It's about $100 million in assets or so. But the loss is about, you know, and we've been dealing with numbers where, you know, to put that in context, you know, you know Signature, Signature Valley Bank was a lo- ended up with a loss, you know, in the tens of billions of dollars. This is going to be a loss in the tens of millions of dollars. So a thousand times less. But there's still signs of stress out there. We had a bank merger that was kind of a, a almost a shotgun wedding that happened in, in California this week, where you had a sick bank get uh, merged into a healthier bank, um, and leading to further consolidation in the California banking market. So the Fed is basically saying it hasn't seen its full impact. But I will note, they don't really say very much about the banking sector in these comments that I'm playing for you. And and you would have to think that uh, that some kind of commentary is going to come pretty soon. Um, but then he gets another one of these questions. This is Colby Smith from the Financial Times asked the question. I'm just, I'm reading the questions. So if September is in fact a live meeting, how does that square with the need for a more gradual tightening pace that you spoke of last month and explain the rationale for holding funds rates steady at the June meeting. And he gives this answer. This should be cut 14. So a a more gradual pace doesn't go immediately to every other meeting. It could be two out of three meetings, right? It could be. It just means if you're slowing down. The point really was to slow down the decision cycle as as we get closer and closer to, we think, our destination. And uh, I, I wouldn't want to go automatically to every other meeting because uh, I just don't think that's we don't. I, th- I think it's not a, an environment where we want to provide a lot of forward guidance. There you go. This is not an environment in which we want to provide a lot of forward guidance. That is that, and he's been saying this. Like I said, he, I could go back and find the uh, the the. Uh, the uh, uh, what do we call it? Probably a seminar or a, a lunch talk with both him and Bernanke on a stage together at Brookings, and 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 him sort of saying yes, forward guidance has served us well. I'm not, and then says, but I don't know that's going to serve us well going forward. Here's why: basically saying in order to give forward guidance, you have to have a really good idea of where the economy's heading. And this econ- basically says this economy is so strange. I'm not sure we have a good handle on on where the economy is going. So maybe we shouldn't maybe we shouldn't be quite so uh, bold to uh, suggest that we do know where that is. 
he finally gets around, I think this is the right clip here, to talking about the banks themselves. And I mentioned the banks, I mentioned the banks previously uh, uh, in this in this segment, but I want to play you this clip in which he's asked about the senior loan officer uh, survey. Okay, this is a survey that's done of at various banks of their senior loan officers to basically ask what's going on with credit conditions. And that report is actually out early next week. It'll get buried. We'll, we probably won't even get to talk about it because it's a, job Saturday, it's a job Saturday next week. And so we'll probably be focused on the jobs report. So unless the, this, this survey, which is called its acronym frequently SLOOS, uh, S-L-O-O-S, okay, if, unless the SLOOS comes in with something really strange, we probably won't talk about it next week, but a reference gets made to it, and it's pretty obvious that Powell's already seen a preprint of, of what the SLOOS has to say. Let's play cut, what is this, cut 15. So I guess the, the, the SLOOS will come out early next week, and I would just say it's, it's broadly in condition, it, it, consistent with what you would expect. You've got uh, lending conditions tight and getting a little tighter, You've got weak demand, and, you know, it, it, it gives a picture of, of pretty tight credit conditions in the economy. So if that's true, why in the, in the statement did you remove the language about credit conditions, about, about tight banking? It really goes kind of without much saying. And in other comments, I think I have them here coming up. He, he sort of reiterates this point that he thinks the banks are in pretty good shape. And that kind of takes me a little bit by surprise. Um, a little bit by surprise. But let me, let me just work through the press conference. Because by this time, by this time where, where he's basically said, you know, I, I don't think we want to really use forward guidance here. By this time, most of the reporters, not all, he gets a couple more questions about it of the 11 that he gets about the timing. By this point, the everyone's come to understand, oh, he really isn't going to tell us, is he? Uh, a couple people take an, take another swing at the fences there, but they don't they don't quite get it right. But he but let's let's continue this. Cut number 16. A labor market, very strong demand for labor, which is really the engine of the economy. People are, are getting hired, many people going back to work, getting wages, spending money, and that's really what's driving the economy. But that it's gradually slowing, it's gradually cooling. That's, that's a good prescription for getting where we want to get. That's further evidence that the Fed is perfectly comfortable with the, with the unemployment rate rising from here. The fact that it's still in the threes, I think, has taken the Fed by as much surprise as anybody. That might be one reason not to give forward guidance, because the, that market has not done, the labor market has not done what people have expected it to do. And, and a lot of, our, a lot of the, those of us who uh, may end up with egg on our faces because the recession doesn't come in 2023 are going to point square at the labor market as the reason for why we got it wrong. It, didn't, it did not do what we expected. But, but he says, we think it's gradually slowing. That's, that's, I'm not as convinced about that as he is. But again, between now and the next, the next uh, um, FOMC meeting, he will have the jobs report next Saturday, next Friday. 
And then he'll have the one in September, just before Labor Day. And those will all have plenty of time to be digested before they have their next they have their next uh, their next FOMC meeting. Let's take a break here. When we come back, I'll I'll try to get toward the end of playing out these uh, clips from Jay Powell. We're almost done with those. Uh, and then I do want to take some time to talk both about the GDP report and I want to talk about the Bank of Japan for a little bit too. Again, maybe a first on the King Banyan Show here on The Biz 1440. From South St. Paul to Southeast Asia and Little Canada to regular-sized Canada, we're where you are. Listen to The Biz 1440 anytime, anywhere at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. If you're a business owner, imagine getting up to $26,000 per employee. There's still time for business owners to file for the Employee Retention Tax Credit Program. This program is for business owners who continue to pay their W-2 employees during the COVID pandemic. Many businesses qualify and simply do not know it. All business types and industries may qualify. You can claim the credit even if you received a PPP loan. This is a cash payment and not a loan and can be claimed now. The licensed CPAs and tax professionals at DH Tax and Consulting have been serving business owners across the country for over 15 years. The best part is that until you receive your cash payment, you don't pay us a dime. Our tax credit specialists are available now at 833-ERC-FILE and your tax payment estimate is quick, easy, and free. That's 833-ERC-FILE to qualify you and your business for up to $26,000 per W-2 employee for free federal aid. Call us now at 833-ERC-FILE. That's 833-ERC-FILE. Wesley Financial Group is not a law firm. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare. And in the process, started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. The crazy thing is, this never ends. Even when you die, your family's now going to be stuck with this burden. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. If we take you as a client, I guarantee we'll cancel your timeshare or you'll pay nothing. Call for your free information kit. 800-626-5252. That's 800-626-5252. 800-626-5252. Come and take a tour of the shores of Lake Phelan, assisted living and memory care. With our gorgeous lake views and spacious apartments, you experience resort-style living in a park-like setting. Our care team is in the building 24-7, and we have great food and engaging activities. The Shores of Lake Phelan is excellence in senior living every day, located between Lake Keller and Lake Phelan. Visit theshoresoflakephelan.com. That's theshoresoflakephelan.com. What is dedication? I think a parent's job is to protect our children, but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov.
Welcome back, King Dangan Show, the Biz 1440. Thank you for listening today. Um, the We are working through the Fed's press conference. And I think just to reiterate what I was saying, in fact, I think I'll play a couple of these clips here at this point. Um, the Fed has been able to raise rates and somehow end up with a labor market that still gives them 3.5%. There is a debate a broad debate. In fact, I'm just reading. I don't know they have a lot of comments to make about it yet. Jason Furman, who had been uh, who had been the uh, head of the Council of Economic Advisors, a head, he had more than one, for President Obama, um, it, and is now the uh, intro to econ prof at Harvard, among other things, and frequent, frequent talking head at CNBC. Um, he, uh, the thing to think about is the fact that the labor market has has taken this all in stride, and how is it taken it in stride? It's adding a lot of workers, but the question is, is it adding to wages and the fact that wages are going up so rapid, going up rapidly to the point where wages are actually rising faster than inflation? Uh, Lawrence Meyer, who was a member of the Federal Reserve um, at one time, uh, and before and after now is basically a, a forecaster, a uh, well-respected forecaster. I believe he's still living in the where, where his business used to be uh, macroeconomic advisors that had their headquarters in St. Louis. I think he's still in St. Louis. I'm not positive of that though. Um, uh, had some comments made on uh, on I believe this was from Bloomberg uh, last uh, 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 on Thursday and had this to say. Let's jump ahead and play cut twenty one. See, between those two meetings, there's a lot of data you've got to absorb that nobody should have a lot of conviction. Uh, and so the chairman said it very definitively. It's possible they raise rates and it's possible they don't. OK, that was very definitive. Right. He says, hey, we could raise rates at the next meeting, even though we raised them here. Don't expect us to mean that the next meeting we won't raise rates just because we skipped last time. Right. Very clear about that. And so what should they do in the meantime but with those two with those two uh, sets of data? Meyer says this, cut 22. Uh, I think that's the nature of the beast at this point of the of the rate cycle. Don't have too much com- uh, conviction. Don't prejudge. Sit back, enjoy the data, <laughs> and let your views evolve. There you go. There. That, and I think, in fact, that is what the Fed is doing. They're simply allowing the data to come in. And tell us where it goes on. But they've said, again, if you've listened, the Fed has said, one more rate hike was in our SEP. We might revise it at the meeting in September. We might not. But we've got a lot of data to get before we can make that decision. Okay? What, in my mind, makes a meeting live or not is not whether or not the Fed has the option to raise rates. What makes it to me live or not is what comes out in the SEP because the SEP is a product of forward guidance. While the Fed can tell you it's not giving forward guidance, I don't think the Fed has the ability to, I, I don't think the Fed can politically choose to eliminate the statement of economic projections. I think they're now a fact of life that they can't go back on. And that they are a form of guidance. But what they're trying to tell you is the SEP is just, here's what we think at this moment. And the way the economy is changing, 
even three months from now, that view could very easily change. We're going to get a bunch of data in the meantime. Things could change. Let me flip back to Powell then and continue with this. Cut 17. I'm not giving you any numerical guidance around that. I'm saying we would we'd be comfortable cutting rates when we're comfortable cutting rates. And that won't be this year, I don't think. It would be, you know, many people wrote down rate cuts for next year. I think the median was several for next year. And that's just going to be a judgment that we have to make then a full year from now. And it'll, it'll be about how confident we are that inflation is, in fact, coming down to our 2% goal. Okay, so first you hear the irritation, right? Because he gets another question where someone's trying to uh, uh, trying to give uh, trying to give this is uh, from Victoria Gita who's uh, at, at Politico um, uh, asking about whether the rate cuts would happen. Uh, he says, "I'm saying we would be comfortable cutting rates when we're comfortable cutting rates," which is one of my favorite lines of the whole press conference. And that won't be this year, think um, I. It would be, you know, many people wrote down rate cuts for next year. I think the meeting, I, I, I think it was several. And I think it's just a judgment we'll have to make then a full year from now. I thought that that decision to say the words a full year from now was important because I think that that has the potential of meaning that they're even thinking about holding rates whenever the terminal rate is. They may leave those rates there they're believing that they might leave those rates there for a very, very long time. So you both hear sort of like, okay, guys, I've answered this question. How many times do I have to answer this question? You're not getting numerical guidance here. But that full year may have been the mass slipping just for a second or a nanosecond to say, I'm not even sure that we're going to be cutting rates in the first half of 2024. By the way, that's my background view as well. And I think as markets realize rates aren't coming down, aren't going to come down before the end of the year as they start to think they're not coming until significantly later. um, I think that um, I think that uh, you can expect that the Federal Reserve is going to going to hold. I think you can expect uh, that that will contribute to further slowing Um, the GDP report that we need to talk about in a moment. Um, actually had interesting news about investment came in more positive than we expected. The question is, as rates continue to rise, can we really expect that to continue? Let's let's uh, finish out the, the the Powell press conference with a few few last clips. Cut eighteen. So the staff now has uh, a noticeable slowdown in growth starting late, uh, later this year in the forecast. But given the resilience of the economy recently, they are no longer forecasting a recession. Right. So the Fed has jumped ship on the recession forecast that they had earlier in the year. Now, get, you heard me at the very end of the last hour. I have not jumped ship. Have I got my swimming trunks on? Am I at the edge of the boat? Um, my swimming trunks are on. I might have to bail on it. I'm not quite ready yet. I still see enough science to make me think it could happen. But it probably relies on something... Something big happening. I still think the the place where that's likely to happen is another significant bank um, going down, and that's why the few the the lack of commentary about the banks kind of kind of took me a bit bit aback. Cut nineteen, please, Spencer. 
So the idea that we would keep hiking until inflation gets to 2%, it would be a prescription of, of going way past the target. That, that's clearly not the appropriate way to think about it. So, um, in effect, if you look at our forecasts, we, we, uh, the median participant, and again, these are, these are forecasting out years, so take them with a grain of salt, but um, people are, are cutting rates next year because, because you know, the federal funds rate is at a restrictive level now. So if we see inflation coming down credibly, sustainably, then we don't need to be at a restrictive level anymore. We can, you know, we can move back to a, to a, a neutral level and then below a neutral level at a certain point. Right. Below a neutral level, level means that you have easy policy, and that would happen when uh, the economy is in a recession. So the Fed has, I mean, one of the things that the Fed's going to take credit for is, in terms of uh, the, uh, the the Fed funds rate cut bazooka, they they are claiming they have now fully reloaded the reloaded the weapon, right? And that and that's that's all well and good. So he says that part, but the, but he's right. They're going to are they in a restrictive point? Yes, most anyone would have to say now. Underlying inflation is somewhere in the low fours. The Fed funds rate is now five and a quarter to five and a half. So there, and and the real interest rate that you could use is probably uh, the real rate in equilibrium is probably a half a percent. So you would argue that they're probably anywhere between fifty to seventy-five to maybe a hundred basis points restrictive. That's about it. Maybe they need to go a little bit further if the if the Fed funds if the inflation rate doesn't come down very much, as I think it will not, because I think they've got some favorable some favorable num the favorable numbers they had in the first half of the year to roll off the twelve month app moving average are gone now, and I think I think I think the rate will get stickier over the second half of the year just doing the math. Uh, but I don't know that I, but, um, that might be the rate hike that finally gets everyone to, to, to stop. Let me play one last quick clip of, uh, of Powell cut 20, please. Things have settled down, uh, for sure out there. Deposit flows have stabilized. Capital and liquidity remain strong. Aggregate bank lending was stable quarter over quarter and is up significantly year over year. Banking sector profits generally uh, are coming in strong this quarter. And overall, the banking system remains strong and resilient. Of course, we're still watching. Okay. So he's basically saying the banks are fine. And this is, this is what I think is the blind spot for the Fed. Not the blind spot, but the fact that they, they have a belief that I don't agree with. That their supervision tools are sufficient to take care of the banking sector without having to back off the inflation forecast and with, with inflation policy. I think they will end up wrong about this. I think that is going to come to them sometime in the second half of the year. The, it's interesting that in, at the same time Jay Powell is saying, I think the banks are fine, Michael Barr, the vice chair for supervision, is coming out with more and more capital requirements for the banks, which indicates that they are trying to find ways to shore up bank balance sheets. And I still think there is a ton, a ton of unrealized losses on uh, bond 
on on treasury securities and mortgage-backed security portfolios at banks around the country. And while the largest banks have access to facilities that allow them to sort of ride that out, I do not think smaller banks have those opportunities, and I think they will. I think there will be some trouble there. I'm increasingly convinced because I do think you're going to get at least one more rate hike this this time around, and I do think you'll see. I don't think we've seen the end of the banks. I, I'll leave. I'll I'll leave this segment with the reminder that I've been giving everybody for the last year, or particularly since Silicon Valley Bank. Silicon Valley Bank happened in March, just as Bear Stearns in 2008 happened in March. When did Lehman collapse? Not till September. Go read the financial press that was happening in the middle of 2008. And there was this belief that that not just not that people were waiting for the other shoe to drop, but that somehow they had figured out how to work their way around all of those issues, all that issue with the invention of facilities like Maiden Lane. I don't think that worked out very well. I still think I still think in the second half of 23, we will see another shoe drop. And I think that I'm, I'm more convinced than ever that shoe is more likely to be the banking sector than any other place. There are other risks out there, but I think the banking sector is the most likely one. Okay, I need to take a break here. Uh, and when I come back, I got I got to talk about GDP. I've got to talk about the Bank of Japan. Man, I got a lot of stuff to cover and not much time. Come be right back. King Bang Show, the Biz 1440. TV news. It's a love-hate relationship. Well, let's be honest. More hate. We agree. That's why we're different. Salem News Channel has assembled the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. Home to Charlie Kirk, Hugh Hewitt, Eric Metaxas, and more. There's finally a place on TV for lovers of freedom like you. Watch anytime, on any screen, free, 24-7. Find what you're looking for at snc.tv. That's snc.tv. There are no words to describe it. The isolation. The boredom. The loneliness. If you're wondering where your teenage son or daughter's spirit went, you're hardly alone. The past year has been devastating, especially for them. But here's the good news. They might just find it again, playing high school sports. Workouts that stimulate, teammates and coaches that care, the sense of belonging so many of us have been missing lately. That's what school sports are all about. The sense of achievement is real, and the camaraderie is hard to beat. Coping with uncertainty is difficult, but school sports can help the teenagers in your family start feeling like themselves again. Encourage them to give it a try. High school sports, it's so much more than a game. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. The basics about financial literacy provides confidence in your investing decisions. Knowledge to make better decisions with or without an advisor empowers you to take control of your financial future. With the right skills, you are the best steward of your own money. Learn more today at a free in-center or virtual investing class at Online Trading Academy. 952-814-4410. Again, 952-814-4410. Or go to learnwithota.com. 
Can your IRA stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is at our doorsteps? By allocating a percentage of your IRA into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from turbulent markets and economic downturns by putting your IRA back on the gold standard. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA. The only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Call now for your free gold and silver report. Protect your IRA today with one simple phone call. And learn how to qualify for up to $10,000 in free silver. Call Genesis Gold Group. Empowering faith-driven stewardship. 800-504-1123. 800-504-1123. That's 800-504-1123. All right, let's take care of a little business here. 651-289-4477. I'm going to call on the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. Thank you for listening to us today. Um, let me. I've got two more topics to cover in not a whole lot of time, so we're going to do these quickly. First of all, the GDP report surprised us to the upside. Um, why did it surprise us to the upside? Uh, a couple of a couple of things. One, one thing to point out: everybody realized that we had had a very large contribution in the Q1 number, which was uh, quarter one was a 2.0 percent gain. More than one percent of the two percent was was attributable to just motor vehicles and parts. We we were finally seeing a, a, a an easing of the supply chain issues in the auto industry. The chips that were needed to build those cars was coming back, so we kind of knew that that was going to roll off. And so there was a good reason to believe that GDP that the consumption number would come back in very low. It's did it's much lower in terms of its contribution, but it still had a positive impact on the total number for 2.4. It still contributed 1.1 of the 2.4. So even though motor vehicles were, motor vehicles were, was a negative as expected on the quarter, um, you had gains in other places, um, largely looking at recreational vehicles uh, and um, looking at recreational vehicles and uh, looking at uh, looking at uh, uh, services, in particular on the services side, the piece that gave you gave you a pretty significant contribution was uh, was on housing and utilities gave you a positive number versus a negative. So there is some sign that people are consuming more housing still, uh, and you got uh, a, an increase in insurance. These feel like one-off things. They don't feel there's just some noise running through there. I'm not sure that's really all that important. The one that I would pay attention to and the one that I'm I'm wondering how this could could happen was the fact that fixed investment was up substantially and surprising in the quarter. I did not see that part that's the part I didn't quite see happening. In particular in particular the fact that equipment purchases on particularly transportation equipment was up sharply from being negative in Q1. This, I should have seen that 
perhaps when we're starting to get parts in to build motor vehicles again, that the consumer market, cars, trucks, SUVs, would get served before the larger trucks and the and and the larger trucks, the diesels, the 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 other kinds of transportation equipment, buses, and so forth. Those are the numbers that are in that in that particular piece. And that swung from a, a minus from subtracting three tenths of percent off the Q1 number to adding half a percent in quarter two. That is probably not sustainable. Okay, although you get that tends to be lumpy, you see some things happen there. I doubt that one continues. I think this GDP report had some special factors that made it look higher. Um, the only thing that the only thing that made it look probably a little bit lower, we actually finally had a trade deficit in the quarter. Um, the, the number of uh, the number of goods uh, importing into the economy. Um, uh, uh, was being imported into the U.S. lowered, but the level of our exports fell by more. And I and, and I still believe that's the fact that uh, you've got issues in China, you've got issues in Germany, you've got issues in the U.K. Uh, with with potential recessions, all of which I think are contributing to slower. Uh, that all will contribute to. Uh, a worsening trade situation for the U.S. in in, in the uh, months and quarter ahead. I think that situation will will continue through the second half of the year and will be a drag on GDP. Thus, why I'm still doing my saying, I think the third quarter could be a tough quarter. Um, uh, the um, I, what I would say is. What I would say is uh, you're going to see a number of you're going to see a number of pieces, I think, come out about China in terms of trying to re-stimulate their economy, but doing so in sort of a very modest way. I have no. OK, we have to um, uh, we have to we, we will talk also about about uh We'll talk also, I think, about Germany and then the UK. I mean, I don't even even know where to begin with that. But I still think that the GDP report, as I'm ticking through it, makes me makes me think that 2.4 might be the highest number we see in 2023. I'm told I have a sort of a special caller on the line here. Uh, Earl calling in. I don't know what what city Earl is in. Hey, Earl, good morning. And uh, what, what city are you in, Earl? Well, we're from Hutchinson area, south of St. Cloud here, oh, Minnesota. Oh, cool. Wonderful. Um, yeah. I was in your class in about 89, 88, 89. Oh, wow. I was in your, um, one, a couple of your classes. I think money and banking or some of those classes I was in. I was a finance Well, how major. wonderful. Yeah. So what are you doing these? Yeah, what are you doing these days, Earl? I work, I own a farm. I got some land, and then I, um, I work locally for some, um, manufacturing company we do medical manufacturing for um, like i make iv parts and stuff like that and we make a lot of parts okay. for medtronic and we're a contract um silicone medical provider of um anyway that's part of it here's my suggestion king um yeah what i see is that there's a lot of whenever there's a 
ab- a decent investment opportunity, there's a ton of people trying to get in on it. I mean, you just look at the local land market out here, and especially mm-hmm. if there's a piece of land that needs some tile or something like that that produces a tax deduction, I mean, there's a ton of people trying to get in on that property. I mean, if you're looking at a lot of, I mean, just look at the crypto market. How many people are chasing the crypto market? And I don't know if there's anything behind a lot of those crypto investments. Anyway, I've got a suggestion we should do as a public policy. There's a lot of lower grade, let's see, high school dropouts, graduates and stuff like that, that end up going to college because they can get Pell Grants and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Yep. They end up going to college for, and they might hang out at college for, let's say, two years. Usually they can hang out, they can make it hanging out for two years without taking anything serious classwork. And then they usually end up dropping out. And you, you know, you learn things like art history and things of that nature that really have very little limited sale in the marketplace, shall we say. Um, don't produce a lot of net results, but yet you've got a lot of college debt because you've yep. lived in, you know, you've you've generated a fair amount of college debt and and really haven't generated a dollar's worth of return on your wage check, you know, in terms of a, a premium. What mm-hmm. I've got a suggestion here is that we should focus as a government policy to get these people to do more physical or more engaging work projects. We've got a lot of people that, I mean, it's really hard to get people to do like construction or oil drilling or even like for gals working in a nursing home. I mean, it's really hard to get people to do things that are slightly more either physical or less undesirable, but yet pay fairly well and generate generally a fairly good economic return for you know a few years yeah. anyway i mean like roofing and i mean you try and find a roofer now and it's very expensive and it's well, not I, all that hard yeah I, I i agree with you i'm gonna have to go to break in a minute but i just wanted to tell you tell you uh, earl um i've i think you've you made a good point so let me tick through three things very quickly particularly if you're you're the parent of a young person or if you're a young person yourself and thinking about college or not there is a huge premium that comes with actually getting the degree versus going to college, taking some classes and saying, I got enough education, leaving without it. For every for every Bill Gates story that's out there, there are hundreds of others where you've got the debt and you still, you still have the same check you were getting uh, before you went to college. So, yes, I agree with that. Second of all... Second of all, there are lots of folks out there. I'm a fan of the work that's been done by people trying to get people to go to two-year schools to look at vocations. People, you know, the famous people like Mike Mike Rowe or or John Ratzenberger, who who have sort of made this part of their cause. Um, I'm a fan of that stuff. I think I, I think that's very helpful. And I'll say the last thing, and particularly to parents. The biggest problem I see as someone that talks to parents who bring their kids to a campus is that sometimes I want to know, is it, the, is it your, your child's idea to come here or is it yours? If your child wants to be here, they'll work hard. I can tell you, watching people come here in their late 20s and early 30s who made the decision themselves, 
their dedication is really high because it's their own it's their own time and they understand the value of their time and the value of their dollars your 18 year old not so much if a kid wants to come to college great we can work with them uh i can make we can make that work but sometimes the worst thing that happens is i will see parents put pressure on their children to go to call to university when their child is like doesn't really know if that's really what they want to do but doesn't want to disappoint mom and dad right and that's a real that's a real thing i see and i just and and so earl i'm going to thank you for the call because i think i agree with you that there are a lot of people out there not doing it and i would say you know I know gap years aren't just for going to Europe. Gap years can be for what my dad did with me, which was I had to work in a box factory for one summer, you know, in an unair conditioned building back in my home state back in 1975. And I can tell you the purpose of that was not to earn a dollar. The purpose was to tell me this is what this is what happens in our family if you don't go to college. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. You want to feel important? You want to be part of something bigger, something that matters and can help change things. You want to feel like you belong. We felt that way too. I'm Lieutenant Colonel Ryan Rossman from Chisholm, Minnesota, and that's why we did something about it. We aren't just Minnesota Army National Guard soldiers. We are people just like you, and together we can make a difference. Take on your legacy. Visit nationalguard.com forward slash MN to find out more. Sponsored by the Minnesota Army National Guard, aired by the Minnesota Broadcaster Association and the station. Jim and I knew of Robbinsdale Women's Center, but didn't really know them until we toured. We were astonished by the amazing facilities and the genuine love and care the staff showed each woman that walked through the doors. That tour began our partnership with Robbinsdale Women's Center. Cindy and I have witnessed RWC's fiscal stewardship of our financial gifts. Being on the board has allowed me to see the careful discernment and prayerful thought that goes into every decision at Robbinsdale Women's Center. RWC receives no government funding and is debt-free. RWC owns all their assets and is 100% donor-supported. We're amazed at the number of abortion-minded women they serve. Weekly, five women initially at risk of aborting their pregnancies, instead choose life. Join Cindy and I in supporting Robbinsdale Women's Center. Your gift will bring hope and life. Go to rwcinfo.org and help more mothers choose life. Let's make a difference. rwcinfo.org. We noticed we had a leak in our roof. Hey, I'm Brenda from Stillwater, Minnesota. We noticed some water staining in our ceiling by our chimney. This is our first time working with JTR Roofing. A close friend had recommended them and had a great experience. They re- ended up replacing our roof and performed the work on our chimney. I would recommend JTR Roofing because they were reliable, friendly, there were no hidden costs in their quotes, and the craftsmanship was outstanding. Not only did they do an outstanding job on our home, but also they support the community. They've had a good reputation in the 30 years that they've been in business. And just overall, it was just a wonderful experience working with the company. I was absolutely satisfied with the work. Absolutely. We're thinking about having our windows replaced and we will be calling JTR. Go to JTRRoofingInc.com. That's JTRRoofingInc.com. 
brighten someone's day with a free e-card from the largest online Christian greeting card site, CrossCards.com. There's one for every occasion, birthdays, holidays, or just to let someone know you care. CrossCards.com is a division of Salem Media Group. From Zumbrota to Zambia and Detroit Lakes to some lake in Detroit, we're where you are. Stream Twin Cities Business Radio anytime, anywhere at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. Love that song. Um, let me, all right, so I got five minutes to talk about, about the Bank of Japan and what they did yesterday. Bank of Japan, okay, so Japan, after experiencing this very rapid asset bubble that grew through the 70s and 80s, and I'm really shortcutting 50 years of Japanese economic history here, ends up, ends up the stock market, they have a stock market crash and begins a period of very low inflation, indeed deflation in many parts of the economy since the late 1980s. The Japanese economy has not grown substantially. There is very low unemployment, though, because of a different type of labor market that happens in Japan versus the U.S. or Western Europe. The the Japanese central bank has a 2% inflation target, just like pretty much every other central bank, but has missed it on the low side for a very, very long time. Compared to the U.S. or or the EU, rather than engaging in... Okay, so I, let, me, let me go backwards. Quantitative easing was a policy in Japan long before we ever considered it in the United States or in the European Union or in the U.K., right? They were... To the point where, and in Japan, the central bank, the Bank of Japan, the central bank of the country, is allowed to buy not just treasuries, or what they'll call JGBs, for Japanese government bonds. So if you hear JGB, um, that's what that stands for. Our treasury securities, they would call a JGB. Um, They bought... They, mortgage-backed securities are not really a big market in Japan, largely because mortgages are very different in Japan because the housing sector is very different in Japan. Not something I have time to discuss. But at some point, having bought a fair amount of Japanese government debt and realizing that they really didn't want to do much, they then st- they bought some Japanese debt and not wanting to overwhelm the JGB market the Bank of Japan had permission to buy equities, stocks on the Nikkei and other high-quality equities of Japanese firms. In Japan right now, 50% of all equities in the Japanese stock market are owned by the Bank of Japan. And, and, and remember, when they buy that stock, all they give you back is all I can give you back is is that is um, is is give you back yen. So what happened was 
the Bank of Japan, trying to further things along, announced that they were going to do something called yield curve control. They were going to control the both the short and the long end of the market by buying into that into this sector. And they and, and what happened was Thursday night they announced that they were controlling their ten year JGB rate at at one half of one percent. And what happened was that they have a new central bank governor. And I wish I was going to get be able to play this clip for you, but I'm actually not going to be able to do that. I don't have time. So let me explain this. This new governor, Governor Ueda, came out. And there was an announcement. Then he had a press conference. I cannot find a translation of the press conference in English. But the impact was they said, we're not going to, the half percent rate on the 10-year JGB is no longer a fixed number, but it's a suggestion and we're willing to see a one half percent band around that target, and so for the very first time, JGB rates shot up past one half of one percent. Problem: most of Japan buys U.S. Treasuries because they don't want to earn one half of one percent. Problem is then now, if the if the JGB rate goes up to even one percent, how many Japanese investors? will switch back to holding yen-denominated JGBs and get out of dollars. There's going to be a huge impact on the yen. There's going to be a huge impact. I think there's going to be significant impact on treasuries here in the United States as a result of what happened on Thursday night. And that is another risk that I think is still unfolding, and we're still trying to figure it out. Uh, and the fact that it happened in the middle of a, of a, fr- a lazy Friday summer, uh, in the summertime, doesn't make life easier. But we'll try to dissect it for you again next week. We'll be back here also with a job Saturday on the King Banyan Show on the Biz fourteen forty. See you then. Come light up a fine cigar and engage in an intimate conversation with me about politics, culture, and public opinion. Dennis Prager inviting you to my first Minnesota Cigar Night presented by Pro-Life Across America. Enjoy hors d'oeuvres, adult beverages, and premium cigars from Minnesota's own Founders Cigar Company benefiting veterans. Cigar Night is Wednesday, August 23rd at Mendocota Country Club, Mendota Heights. Tickets are very limited. Go to am1280thepatriot.com to get yours today. Has your heater or air conditioner busted, appliance broken, computer crashed? Then you need an ARW home warranty. Home system and appliance repairs and replacements can cause stress and cost you thousands of dollars per year. With an A-plus BBB rating and a top-rated home warranty company on Consumer Affairs and Trustpilot, ARW Home provides superior service, featuring the industry's lowest service call fee. ARW Home has warranty plans that cover your kitchen and laundry appliances, heating and air conditioning systems, electrical and plumbing systems, and much more. Call 800-942-1451 to customize your plan. Plus, ARW has partnered with Azurian to protect your new and used tablets, laptops, TVs, and other home tech from accidental damage and wear and tear. All plans come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Call 800-942-1451 for your free quote. That's 800-942-1451. I always thought that tires would be more expensive at a dealership, but Invergrove Hyundai proved me wrong. Hi, it's Mike from Rosemont. I knew I needed a new set of tires before winter. My go-to is usually my warehouse club because, hey, they're a warehouse club, right? They have to have the best deal. 
I bought two cars at Invergrove Hyundai, and they're great to work with, so I thought I'd just see what they had to offer. I told Tyler what I usually spend and asked if he had a good set of tires in that price range. He gave me a great quote, and it was a few bucks under my limit on a set of four tires. Plus, he got me in and out in an hour. If you need tires, skip the specialty shop and the warehouse clubs and give Invergrove Hyundai a call. Let them know what you need, and they'll take care of you like they did for me. Invergrove Hyundai's service technicians are ready for you no matter what kind of vehicle you drive. Open 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. weekdays. Call them today or schedule your appointment at InvergroveHyundai.com. That's InvergroveHyundai.com. Do you want to make a difference in your community? Volunteer with your local fire department. Operational and non-operational positions are available and training is provided. Anyone can be a volunteer. You just need the heart and drive to make a difference where it's needed most. When your community needs you, will you be there to answer the call? Learn more about volunteering at makemeafirefighter.org. That's makemeafirefighter.org. Common ground. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.